0: Bible talks about a kind of peace that is totally supernatural. Amen? Uh, A peace that comes from God that doesn't, or put it this way, that isn't moved by circumstances, isn't moved by a bad report, isn't moved by things around you, but it it is a supernatural. Paul said it's so supernatural, it defies understanding. You can't understand it because you, you go, how do I have peace in the midst of this? and yet I do. Amen? And so I want to talk to you about a derivative of that piece today, and that is the comforts of God. Matter of fact, I've called this when you desperately need God's comfort. How many of you can say, I at least need it some? I don't know about desperately, but how many of you can say desperately, I need God's comfort? Now, that's most everybody in here. Amen. So I know I'm on track. I, I really felt impressed to go this way today, so let's talk about the comfort of God. And I want to read 2 Corinthians 7 verse 5. And I'm so thankful that the apostle Paul told the truth about what he was experiencing. He didn't, uh, he, he wasn't afraid to tell you if he had fear. He wasn't worried about telling you that he was down, that he was beaten down. Uh, he, he told the truth about what he went through. Now he was very transparent and I'm glad of that. We're going to read some of that right now. It says Paul says when we came into Macedonia we had no rest but we were harassed at every turn anybody ever feel that way harassed at every turn all right conflicts on the outside fears within everybody say but god who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of titus amen Lord, thank you for your blessing today on the Word of God. I pray you will use it, minister through it. And Lord, help us to access the comforts of God as a way of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor the comforts of God, the comforts of God, comforts of God. Now, I want to talk to you about how God comforts his children in trying times. And uh, we're living in times that are trying right now. Can I have an amen? Amen. We're living in very trying times. I've lived my whole life in America. I can't remember more stressful times uh, in America as a nation than what we're experiencing right now. Uh, Uncertainty, danger, uh, increasing persecution out there. If you're a believer and you're taking a real stand for Christ uh, and you're standing up for his word, his principles, his values, his morals, I'm telling you there's a... There is a growing persecution, a growing resistance to that. The Bible already told us, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. So as Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, in all three of those gospels, he predicted that before his return, we would see a series of signs that would be happening increasingly often, with increasing intensity, like a woman in travail with a child. The birth pains get closer and closer and more and more intense before that child is born. Jesus said these signs are going to get closer and closer together with greater frequency and greater intensity before the birth of a brand new world, wow. the return of Christ. He said, you're going to see earthquakes in many places. You're going to see plagues and I'm getting feedback here, guys. Thank you. Plagues and pestilence. All right. We're in that right now. The the COVID pandemic, wars and violence. He said, you're going to see perplexity among the nations. The nations are going to be in perplexity around you. The, The whole nations are not going to know what to do, where to turn, how to handle what is coming upon the world. Perplexity of nations. Jesus even predicted that men's hearts would be failing them for fear of what is coming upon the world. Literally, men would be having heart attacks looking at what is coming upon the world. But notice that verse said, but God, because for God's people, there's a place of comfort and peace in the eye of the storm. Jesus said, that's what the world is going to be experiencing, but it is not the will of God that we have heart attacks. It's not the will of God that we are filled with fear. No, no. It's the will of God that we be comforted and We walk in supernatural peace. That's the will of God. Now, now did you know that God is described as many things in the Bible. It says God is love. Um, God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. We know a lot of things about God. But the Bible says he's also the God of all comfort. He's the God of of comfort, bless be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, second Corinthians one: three. Amen. He reaches down, God reaches down into our struggles and troubles, and He comforts us in a supernatural way, where we shouldn't be comforted, but we are. What am I doing having peace, but I do, because all around me is a storm, and yet I have peace in the eye of the storm. By the comforts of God. Now, let me give you a little Bible teaching here right now. Comfort is from a Greek word. And the Greek word is parakaleo. Now, follow me. I know that's Greek to you. But it's parakaleo. Let me break it up. It's a compound word. Para. Everybody say para. Means to draw near. That's the prefix. Para means to draw near. Kaleo means to call. So here's the idea behind the word comfort. It means that in times of trouble, in times of trial, in times of high stress, God calls us to himself by his comfort. Parakaleo, he calls us to himself by comforting us. He comes right alongside us. And he comforts us in the middle of all of our troubles. It's a supernatural comfort. It's a supernatural peace. He encourages us. He strengthens us. He enters into our pain, our trouble, our struggle. He enters into it, and he comforts us. He may not change the circumstances, but he changes what we're experiencing. And he gives us comfort. He consoles us. That, that means he comforts us in a time of grief. He comforts us in times of disappointment. He alleviates our grief after a great loss. That's the comforts of God. It's supernatural. And that's something that he has for every one of his children. That is one of the things Jesus purchased for us on the cross. That not only will we go to heaven, but while we're on earth making this journey through earth, we would never go through this earth alone. We would never be in a battle alone. We would never be without the presence and the help and the comfort and the peace of God. Jesus said, I am with you always to the end of the world. I'm with you always until the end comes. I'm right there, parakaleo, with you, comforting you. Amen. Amen. How many of you are glad for the comfort of God? Can we thank the Lord? Amen. We just recently witnessed a terrible storm. I flew through part of it this week. We got went and got Cindy's daughter, uh, youngest daughter married in Alabama. But when we were landing in Birmingham, Alabama, we couldn't even touch down the runway. He had to gun it again and take us back up and take us to Memphis because he couldn't even see the runway. It was so thick with fog and rain that we couldn't even land there. And that was just the tail end of Ida. And Ida swept through states, northeastern states. It reached all the way up into northeastern states, New Jersey, New York. And it wrought havoc everywhere that it went. And I saw one man who had lost his entire house by by the flood. And he was interviewed on the news. And he said, you know, I lost my home. But thank God, me and my family were spared. We will rebuild. Now watch this. He consoled himself. How did he console himself? Well, I lost my house, but I didn't lose my life. I lost my house but I didn't lose my wife and kids. We were kept safe. So since we didn't lose our lives, we will rebuild. He consoled himself. Now God comes to us after a storm, maybe a spiritual storm, and he consoles us with his promises and he brings comfort so that we are comforted and consoled in the midst of our troubles. You've been through a storm? Let me tell you, the God of all comfort is there. If you've been through a trial, you're going through one right now, the God of all comfort is there. And God wants you to experience and me to experience the comfort and peace of God no matter what is going on around us. He comforts and consoles us in times of loss, times of struggle, times of conflict, times of disappointment with his promises. Amen. And his comforts are always followed with the peace of God that passes all understanding Be anxious for nothing. I'm going to quote this a little bit later too, but it's worth being quoted twice. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring your request to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will watch guard over your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Peace, comfort, supernatural, in the midst of a terrible storm. Amen. That's why Paul said, though we were harassed at every turn with conflicts on the outside, we were being persecuted on the outside, fears on the inside. God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. Amen. Paul was able in the very worst of times. I want you to pay attention to this now. He was able. He knew how. In the very worst of times to experience the comforts of God to the place that he said, you know what? Not only am I comforted, but I'm so comforted, I can rejoice in the midst of this. He rejoiced in all his tribulations. 2 Corinthians 7, 4, listen to this. I am greatly encouraged. In all of our troubles, my joy doesn't know any bounds. In all of my trouble, my joy is boundless. Well, that's supernatural. I don't know anybody that is full of joy when they're full of trouble. But Paul said, no, this is supernatural. God is a God of supernatural peace and comfort. Now, church, I believe, I'm going to shoot straight with you, I believe we're entering a season, some seasons in America that are going to be very difficult to bear, increasingly difficult. Um, I'm not a prophet, I'm not the son of a prophet, but I do read, I study, I read my Bible. I I know what the Bible teaches me about um, what is coming and how to bear it, how to walk through it. The, The Bible is my prophet. And I believe we're headed for seasons of trouble and testing in America that perhaps we've never known. And it'll be also throughout the entire world. And it's going to require us as God's people to know how to access the comforts of God. We're going to need to know how to access the comforts of God. I'm going to say that one more time. You and I as God's church, as the church, the blood-bought, spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ are going to need to know how. To access the comforts and peace of God so that though everyone around us is fainting and upset and perplexed and confused, we will be in the eye of the storm knowing that Jesus has everything under control. Amen. So I want to look at three simple keys to accessing the comforts of God. Because, you know, here's the deal. We we know what the Bible says about walking in peace, but so often we don't. Uh, We know what the Bible says about God's comfort, but so often we're not comforted. And part of the reason is we don't know how to get in there and access it and unlock the door and go through and experience God's comfort. But God has given us keys. He's given us doors. He's given us roadways, pathways to, to getting into the comforts of God. So here's the three I want to deal with. Everybody say prayer, his word, his providence, those are three ways to access the comforts of God. Let me deal with them one at a time by prayer. Here's the verse again, but I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. so a little bit different from what I quoted. Philippians 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything. I could stop right there and preach the rest of the service. Don't worry about anything. Everybody say, don't worry about anything. Amen. Well, Pastor Jeff, I've got to worry. If I don't worry, uh, no one's going to worry. Well, listen, God didn't anoint you to worry. He anointed you to have comfort and peace. Amen? Amen. Um, But he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, instead of worrying, pray about everything. Tell God your needs, what you're going through. Be honest with him. Nothing you tell him will shock him. He said, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Now let me talk to you about this for a moment. We all know Jesus as Savior first, right? First way I knew Jesus was Savior. Lord, forgive me, and he came into my heart. He was my Savior. Now I'm going to heaven. But then we read in the Bible, he's our good shepherd. We read that he's the one that answers prayer. We read that he's the light. We read that he's the bread of life. We read that he's the door. There's a lot of descriptive adjectives used to to describe the purpose and ministry of Christ. That's the way we know him. But let me tell you another way the Bible identifies Jesus. And that is as our burden bearer. He's our burden bearer, capital B, burden, capital B, bearer. He's our burden bearer. He bears our burdens. A lot of people will tell you, well, you know, Jesus is a burden to me because they don't want to walk with him. But John said, if you really know him, his commandments are not burdensome, right? So we, we, we know him as all these different things, but how often do we stop to think, that one of the reasons Jesus came was to bear our burdens. Those that rightly know him, those who understand who he really is, know that he's just not just my savior. I'm so thankful ultimately for that, that I'm going to heaven one day. But he's also, yes, he's my light. He's my door. He's my shepherd. He's my healer. He's my peace. He's my banner. He's all those things. But he's also my burden bearer. He bears my burden so that I don't have to. And that's how I can receive the comforts of God because if he's carrying the burden, then I can carry comfort. Listen to Isaiah predicting the coming of Christ in the famous uh, Messianic chapter, Isaiah 53. Listen to how he describes the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Surely he bore our griefs. Griefs there is from a Hebrew word sickness. Surely he bore our sickness and it goes on and carried our sorrow sorrows Hebrew word pain physical and mental pain jesus bore my sickness and my physical and mental pains thank you lord thank you lord He said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way. And that's the truth about the human race. There is none righteous. No, not one. He died for everybody because everybody needs his dying for them. Amen. But he says... And the Lord has laid on him, placed on him, the iniquity of all of us. When Jesus hung on that cross, it wasn't just to get us to heaven, but he bore my sickness, he bore my pain, mental and spiritual and physical pain. And the Lord laid on him all of my sins, the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future. All of those sins, the, the worst of the darkest of sins. The horrible, grievous, vexing sins of the human race. The darkest, darkest iniquities hatched in the bowels of hell. Jesus took upon himself on the cross and was judged for it and blamed for it and took the rap for it. Isaiah is telling us that the Messiah would not only take our iniquities onto himself on the cross, but he would lift and carry our heavy burdens. There's an old song. Maybe you've heard this song. Glory. It's simple, but it's true. Glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down. Glory, glory, hallelujah. I sing it for you, but you don't want me to do that to you, so I'm just going to quote it now since I laid my burdens down. And then there's another stanza. I feel better, so much better since I've laid my burdens down. Oh, I feel better, so much better since I've laid my burdens down. Where? Here's the deal. You can be as saved as the day is long, but if you don't know how to access the comforts of God by praying your burdens onto him, you'll get to heaven one day yeah but it's going to be after a whole lot more trouble than you ever needed to experience because you didn't access the comforts of God we need to know how to access the comforts of God and we do it by prayer in the place of prayer we give to him our burdens to carry we unload the stresses of life onto him and God's peace and comfort take their place amen so I go to God and I say I give you the money problems Lord I give you the marriage problems. I give you the relationship problems. I give you my kids. I give you these temptations. I give you this report from the doctor. I, I give you this. I, I give you every burden. you got to know he came to take that off of you and carry it on his own shoulders so that you can experience right then a divine trade-off. He gets my stress and I get his peace and his comfort. So the first way we access the comforts of God is by prayer. Second way we access the comforts of God is by his word. The Bible says, listen to this. The Bible says it is through patience and the comfort of the scriptures that we have hope. Now I want to take that little phrase, comfort of the scriptures. Listen to that. He's telling us that the Bible, part of what the Bible does for you and me is it comforts us. It brings us comfort, the comfort of the Scriptures. How do the Scriptures give us comfort? Because they build our faith. We read the promises God has made. They bring peace. Uh, David the psalmist said, when I get into your word, it is like I am eating honey. Your word is like honey to my soul. It is so sweet, so good, so rich, so pure, so untainted, so unstained, so marvelous, so wonderful. If I lived to be a million, I could never plumb its depths. The word of God. When we were going to the, the uh, wedding, uh, I got put in a car because um, there was rental cars. Everybody had a rental car. And the, and the wedding was an hour away from where we were. So this was an hour drive. And I got put into a car with a dad who had a little bitty baby in the back seat. Uh-huh. In, in, a, in one of these little baby seats. And this little baby, we weren't five minutes down the road, this little baby started wailing, and I'm trying to talk, and I'm trying to ignore it and I say oh she she's so cute and and but inside I'm thinking, we got fifty five minutes to go." and so He tried giving this baby little cheese treats. He tried giving this baby a pacifier. He tried giving this baby a little rattle to distract her. But no, this little baby wanted mama, and mama was not in the car, and I sure wasn't mama, and neither was daddy mama, because we both have deep voices. And so we were probably scaring the kid just talking. But here we were, and we're driving along, and he says, all right. The dad says this. He says, all right, time to bring out the big guns. And I said, what's the big gun? And he said, let me show you. And he pulled up a little program on his iPhone that was Christian lullabies. Christian lullabies. And he turned around and he put it in this baby's lap. And this screaming, crying, thrashing baby stopped. And was comforted by the sound of these Christian lullabies, which of course had Christian verbiage. And, and, and so suddenly the little baby was asleep. And I said, the big gun was the word of God in song. That was the big gun. (laughs) How many of you can say, I bet you were thankful for the big gun? Oh, I was so thankful for the big gun. (laughs) Hallelujah. But that's that's the effect that the Word of God has on the anxious soul. And anytime you open up the Word of God, you've opened up the big gun. Amen? The big gun. For, I've read these verses. I'm going to read a few to you that I've gone to for comfort all throughout my Christian journey. And I've been walking with God for a whole lot of years now. Now watch this. Psalms 94, 19. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, that is when I start worrying and fretting and fearing, your comfort delights my soul. And I just read that verse when I'm feeling tight or worrisome or whatever. Isaiah 51, verse 12, I, says God, even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you're afraid of man who dies and of the son of man who is made like grass? Isaiah 66, verse 13, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Matthew 5, verse 4, we all know this one, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Comforted. 2 Corinthians 1, 5, you can be sure that the more you undergo the sufferings for Christ, the more you're going through in this world as a believer, the greater the battle, the greater the struggle, the greater the persecution. He says the more he will shower us with his comfort. And his encouragement. That's our God. Amen? So over and over again, the Word of God promises God's comfort. No wonder Paul wrote the, these words. What can we ever say to such wonderful things as these? If God is on our side, who can ever, what can ever be against us? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing, nobody can ever really totally successfully be against us if God is on our side and he's on our side through Jesus Christ. So everybody say with me prayer, the word of God. I'll give you a fact before I go to the last one, a Christian that doesn't read his Bible, a Christian that doesn't read his Bible is rarely a comforted Christian, rarely comforted, but he whose Bible is worn out probably isn't. Amen. All right. The word, prayer, the Word of God, the last way we experience God's comfort and access it is God's providence. Now, let me talk to you about providence. A lot of people don't understand it. Let me help you understand it. Providence means the protective care of God. All right. We see in the word providence, provide uns. Amen. Everybody say it with me, provide unts Go to the restaurant afterwards, and if the waitress says, "What'd you do today?" I went to church and I learned about provide uns. <laughs> provide uns. But see, providence just means provide uns. It's God's provision for His children. Our God is a providential God. Listen, when God wants to get it to you, He will get it to you. Provide uns. God's providence. God moves you along. Here's the idea behind the word. God moves you along according to his plan for your life. And he supplies the provision you need to help you reach the destination he's planned for you. That's what it means. Whatever you need in your journey with him towards the destination and the will of God for your life, then he will provide it for you. He will get it to you. He will get it to you. Whatever it takes to get you there, His providence will see to it that you have it. And that includes His comfort in the time of trouble. He will get it to you. So, for the believer, there's no such thing, listen carefully, there's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as coincidence. There's no such thing as fate. I don't believe in any of those things. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing, well, that's a coincidence. No, it's not. If you're a child of God, there's no coincidence, no luck, and, and, and there's no fate. There is only the providence of God moving in your life, or the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way, and though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. He's guiding your life directing your life. And that's what the providence of God is all about. So for the believer, we're walking in providence. We're walking by grace. We're walking with God ordering our steps. Now, notice what Paul says brought him comfort in his troubles. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. Now, l- l- let me explain this so you can understand the background real quick. And then we will close. See, Paul had written 1 Corinthians and sent it to the Corinthian church. And the Corinthian church, when he wrote 1 Corinthians and sent it to them, was a mess. The Corinthian church was a mess. Immorality of the worst kind was in their midst. The gifts of the Spirit were being abused that you read about in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Uh, False teachers had invaded their ranks and Paul heard about it. And and, and pride had infected the hearts of many of the Corinthian believers. They they weren't even dealing with the sin that was in their midst because they were so proud of the way they were loving uh, the person no matter what, not realizing that the one in the deep immorality needed correction to save his soul. Now, we got to understand in those days, there were no iPhones. There was no email. There was no Instagram. There was no instant messaging. There was no way to immediately get a hold of anybody in another town or in other cities. There was no way to quickly do it. Communication from a distance was done by sending a messenger with either just a spoken word to whoever you were sending them or a letter. And so Paul has sent first Corinthians and now he has written second Corinthians and he's sending it to them by Titus. Follow me. Titus is the messenger. He's carrying 2 Corinthians. He takes it to the Corinthian church. And now here's Paul. He's having to sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait wait to hear whether or not they have received and embraced and obeyed his first letter. Because Titus is going to come back and tell him, hey, they're doing great or they're doing terrible or they're they're messed up even worse. He didn't know what they were going to hear. So he was wondering, Did they receive or reject my first letter and the corrections in it? Uh, Are they going to soft-pedal my command to deal with the sin in their midst? Are they going to disagree with my directives regarding the gifts of the Spirit? Are they just going to cast it aside and go their own way? And these questions were so troubling him that he admits we had no rest. But then, in God's providential timing, Titus showed up at 11.59. How many of you have ever noticed that God shows up at 11.59? Titus showed up at 11.59 and he had nothing but good reports. He said, Paul, they received your first letter. They love you incredibly, greatly. They they love you as their apostle and they have obeyed all the instructions that you sent. And Paul said, hallelujah. And he was comforted by the providential move of God in bringing Titus to him just in time when he couldn't stand another day of waiting. Amen. And it happens that way with us. I'm going to close with a quick story. Um, God told me to go to school when I was starting out uh, in my walk with him. Many of you know my story. I didn't finish high school because I was in so much trouble. I was a very messed up kid. Ended up in juvenile home. When I got out of juvenile home and off of probation as a young 16-year-old, uh, I didn't have any high school. It was too late. And so, but God told me to go to college. And so, I went and took a GED, passed it, and went into college. But it was a money issue. I finished the first two years. I graduated junior college, and I, but God said, I want you to go on. And so, so I knew that I was to go to UNT. I was supposed to go to Denton and go to college. But I said, God, I don't have any money. Well, I was in Beverly Hills Baptist Church that had experienced the falling of the Holy Spirit upon it. Wow. They had been kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention for praying for the sick. Yeah. And we call that the right foot of fellowship. <laughs> and there was an incredible move of God. God exploded on that church. We ended up having to leave the little building we were in that uh, seated at most 800 people. And we moved to a 4,000 seat Bronco Bowl auditorium and that was packed. And I had the college and career under me. I had 500 college and career students under my ministry. 500 of them. Amen. It was a bunch of them. And I thought, wow, I'm blown and going. Forget college. I don't want to go to college. And the pastor called me in one day. And he told me something I didn't want to hear. He said, Jeff, I want you to go back to college. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to take the world. Look what's happening. I got 500 kids under me. C- come on. Don't, please don't say that to me. I rebuke this in the name of Jesus, I thought, on the inside. He said, no, I really believe that you're supposed to go finish. And I said, pastor, I don't have any money. I'm telling you the truth he said, God told me to pay your way. And if you tell anybody, the checks will stop. I'm sitting in his office going, now I've got to go. <laughs> but I said, are you sure? He said, go find out what the semester is going to cost. Come tell me and I'll write you a check provide uns, because God wanted me to finish. So it was so incredible. Here he is over all these thousands of people. Who was I? I was nobody. Yeah, I had 500 kids, but okay. Still, who was I to him? But God told him. And so I went into his office first time. I felt so weird. I said, well, it'll be this much. And he said, okay. He pulled out a checkbook and he wrote it. His own money. Personal check, gave it to me. I went back. Next semester, I go to him. Personal check, go. Provide uns. God, we sang that song, Waymaker, Waymaker. He's the Waymaker. He's the Waymaker. And he's the prov- God of providence. And isn't that the way that it works? See, the providential hand of God is all over you. Sometimes you don't see it. But the, the, the providential hand of God is operating in your life every single day. He, he's providential over his children. He's providential over his creation. He's providential over every step you take. Amen? Stand up with me, would you? So say with me, prayer, the word, and providence. Bring me the comforts of God. Yeah. The comforts of God. It so comforted me to walk out of there with the semester totally paid for, books and everything. And I finished and went on, got a master's and went on and got a doctorate. But I could never, listen, I would never have done the last two if not for Pastor Morris Sheets. That was his name. Isn't God good? Let's lift our hands. Thank you, Lord, for the prayer that you've called us to. Thank you that you're our burden bearer and you carry our pain. You carry our sicknesses. You carry us in times of struggle. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word that brings us comfort from God. And thank you, Lord, for the providence of God, ordering our steps each and every day, moving in our life providentially, whether we see it or not, like the song said. Even though we don't see it, even though we don't feel it, you're moving providentially. Pray with me, everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, teach me to take this word and access the comfort of God. Train me to experience it, lean on it, trust in it, and walk in it as days grow darker. I will access your peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me my hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord.